If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Hey, friends, Dolph Goldenberg here. And this episode celebrates a momentous milestone. And that's because this is our 300th episode of the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I want to start by thanking each and every one of you who has ever downloaded and listened to an episode of this podcast. I call you and other listeners friends because you have allowed me into your life to be a part of your growth and be on a journey with you. For me, journey is the right word because this has also been an incredible journey of learning and exploration for me. It is so hard to believe that in July 2016, when I posted the very first episode, I was ecstatic to have just 43 downloads. At that time, I never could have imagined a month with 15,000 downloads. Let me share with you, friends, that creating that first episode was a lot of work because I did everything myself. I booked the guest, I wrote the script, I recorded it, I taught myself to edit audio files, and I figured out how to actually make that audio file go live on a feed that reached phones and computers throughout the world. Creating one of the top nonprofit podcasts has taught me about a lot more than just the technical side of podcasting. I also learned about marketing, personal productivity, and myself. So while it would not be possible for me to share every professional and life lesson, there are nine that I believe I should share because these lessons I use throughout my life and we all can apply them in our own lives. So while it's a bit trite, I'm actually going to list each of these off by number. So the very first lesson is believe the experts. Before launching the podcast, I did a lot of research about podcasting, and I read a lot of good advice. Things like invest in a good microphone, don't record using your cell phone, record on two tracks, batch record podcast episodes, record six to 12 episodes before launching. And you know what? I am not proud to admit 
that I ignored most of that advice. And more than once, I've had to turn to expert advice in order for the podcast not just to grow and mature, but honestly, just to survive. So to say the very least, the podcast could have grown faster and larger had I listened to the free advice from experts that I had read and that I had listened to. Lesson number two, my friends, is be grateful for the critics. Now, I know that none of us like receiving criticism. It is tough. And toward the end of my first year as a podcaster, I was startled. I mean, truly startled to read a one-star review. The reviewer thanked me for the interesting topics and insightful guests and a probing interview style. And all that made me feel pretty good. And I'm wondering, why did this person give me one star? Well, the reviewer also noted that my audio was almost unlistenable. I'll admit it, I didn't think my audio was great, but I thought it was okay at the time. And so I asked some trusted friends for their opinion. You know what? They agreed. They said, yeah, Tolf, your, your audio is terrible. It is nearly unlistenable. That bad review sent me on a journey to dramatically improve my audio. At first, it started with hiring a professional editor, then a higher quality microphone, and then incremental improvements in my home office to improve the acoustics. And finally, when we moved into a new home about two years ago, I built a small recording studio across the hall from my office. And because it took me over a year to have high quality audio, hundreds of prospective listeners probably downloaded just one episode and stopped listening after five minutes. And you know, they probably have not thought about the Successful Nonprofits podcast since then. So this reviewer's honest critique ensured that thousands of future listeners would get hooked by our great guests instead of turned off by our poor audio. The third lesson that I learned, and I learned this one the hard way, is to pay the experts. This podcast started as a do-it-yourself project. But very quickly, I found myself spending about 20% of my work week producing each episode. That means booking guests, editing the audio, writing show notes, etc. And you know, you think about this, 20% of a work week, that's like one day a week. And pretty quickly, I realized that that was just not sustainable. So if I was starting my podcast journey today, I would have immediately paid an audio editor and a web person instead of waiting well over a year. And I also would have hired a podcast coach to help me create and launch the podcast. And that, of course, means we got to go back to lesson number one, believe the experts. Lesson number four is that simple and sustainable is better than ambitious and unsustainable. Initially, I envisioned my podcast format in the style of a 30-minute NPR news show. If you've ever heard an NPR news show, you can kind of picture it. That format has a primary interview, several additional segments with additional guests, commentary, etc. And the first dozen or so episodes of this podcast, that's actually what I did. I learned pretty quickly. Again, it happened in the first dozen where I started to change it that there's a reason NPR needs a small army of producers and audio engineers to produce a half-hour show with multiple guests. That is a lot of work. And if I were wed to that format, this podcast would have died in its first year. 
Over the years, I have simplified and slimmed the podcast to its current format. A short introduction, a great conversation, and a short outro. And also, eventually stripped out the intro and the outro music. And the reason for all of this is it's a simple format that is easier to execute. And easy to execute means sustainable. This has been such an important lesson for me, not just in podcasting, but in every area of my work. My fifth lesson was to batch my work. Let me share with you, friends, just mere hours after editing that first episode, I released it to the world. And I did that despite the fact that I had read experts who advised against releasing your podcast with just a single episode. They all said, oh, release two, three, four, or five at one time. That way, if a listener likes what you put out there, they have additional episodes to immediately listen to. But, you know, I released the episode and then I sat back in my chair feeling great. And over the next couple of days, I watched the downloads roll in. And when I say I watched the downloads roll in, I mean in the single digits, but it was still pretty exciting. My glow of achievement, though, quickly faded after I realized that I had to release an episode again, not even next week, but just a matter of days. So throughout my first year, I came to think of the podcast's need to feed. And what that meant is that I fed the podcast by booking a guest, recording an episode, editing that audio, and releasing it with social media posts. So, you know, that's a lot to do every single week. And if a guest doesn't show up for their interview, or perhaps it's not a great interview, you're stuck. You still have to produce an episode the following week. And I'll always remember how I learned the power of batch recording episodes. BoardSource had invited me to come to one of their biannual conferences so that I could do some podcast interviews with some of their speakers. And so I think I scheduled like eight or nine or 10 interviews for a two-day period. And I remember, A, how exciting it was to batch record lots of interviews in a day. And I also remember, as the conference was ending, how great I felt that for the first time ever, I had two months of interviews ready to go. And so that's where I learned that if I could just record five or six episodes in a single day each month, my work would be easier and more streamlined. And frankly, I could pace that work better. And that's what we do today. And because that's what we do, we typically record episodes six to 12 weeks before an episode is released. While the podcast still has a need to feed, we no longer find ourselves the week before scratching our heads going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We don't have an episode for next week. The next lesson, and this is lesson number six, is that consistency is key to growth. Our listeners love the podcast and the incredible guests we have each and every week. And they have come to expect seeing the podcast in their feed every week. Now, I realize, friends, that you don't download every episode. You download the episodes that are of the greatest interest to you. But yet, you still expect to see an episode every week. And you should, because, well, we bill ourselves as a weekly podcast. So several years ago, we had a staffing challenge, and the prior producer was not able to maintain our production schedule. So we switched to producing an episode every other week. 
And not surprisingly, since all of our listeners had grown used to a weekly release, we saw listenership decline. And what I learned from that is that consistency really does keep the podcast growing. And chaos causes people to lose interest and faith. And this is true whether we're talking about a podcast or whether we're talking about leadership. Lesson number seven is to produce meaningful content. So friends, this is time for me to share a dirty secret with you. About three or maybe four times a year, we record an episode that just doesn't meet our standards. Sometimes the guest has terrible audio. Other times they engage in too much self-promotion. And you know, occasionally it's just too dang boring. And so we won't bring that kind of drivel to your ears because your time is valuable. So again, I learned pretty early on that we have to produce meaningful content each week. And this sometimes requires tough conversations with a prospective guest. Though we usually do offer a do-over to the guest if they're willing to correct the issue. Occasionally guests take us up on that. Sometimes guests feel like we wasted their time with the first interview and have no interest in trying again. And most of the time guests will say, oh, I'll follow up with you, and then they never do. But I would rather disappoint a guest than disappoint the people who trust me to bring an insightful conversation that will help their nonprofit thrive. And you know, as I think about applying this in the work that I do, it's not just the podcast. All of the work that I do, everything that I produce has to be meaningful. And if I and my clients don't find it meaningful, then I should not bring that work into the world. The eighth lesson that I learned is to stand by my values. So friends, you know, if you've listened for any period of time, I'm not agnostic about my values and I proudly wear them on my sleeves. I believe Black Lives Matter, women, trans people, and BIPOC people have a right to control their own bodies. Civil rights are human rights. Equity is more important than equality. And everybody deserves respect. Listeners hear these values from me as the podcast host, as well as our guests, because we're very clear with our guests that these are the values that we embody and these are the values that we want to bring in our conversations, our listeners here. So a while back, gosh, I want to say this was probably like 2019, maybe 2020, someone responded to a BLM-focused episode with a one-star review. And I have to share with you, friends, we shared that review far and wide. And the reason is, you know, if you're going to respond to a BLM episode with a one-star review and say, why do you cover BLM? You should not cover that. For me, that's a badge of honor. I'll also share with you another time when we had to live our values a booked guest was incredibly disrespectful to my colleague, Lexi. And when I say incredibly disrespectful, the guest copied me on an email to Lexi that was demeaning and belittling. And I have to share with you, before Lexi could even respond, I replied all to that email. And I explained to the guest that the tone the person took in that email did not share our values of being respectful and we canceled the recording session. So not everyone in this world is aligned with the values that we have at Successful Nonprofits. 
And the way I feel about that is there are plenty of other nonprofit podcasts that folks can listen to. And the final lesson, my friends, is, and this one seems kind of weird, but I am better after a good night's sleep. So I am often on an afternoon flight back home to record the podcast the very next day. Occasionally, weather or a mechanical issue will delay my flight, causing me to arrive home late at night and only get five or six hours of sleep before recording day. And you know, as a lifelong insomniac, I always believed that I could function well with just six hours of sleep. And I was wrong. I can see a dramatic difference in my hosting abilities when I get a full eight hours of sleep the night before a recording day. That, my friends, are the nine lessons that I have learned from producing 300 episodes of this podcast. And the journey of producing these episodes has been an incredible learning experience with the lessons that I've learned helping me in so many other areas of my consulting practice and my life. And that's why I wanted to share this episode with you, because each of these nine lessons applies in both my work and my personal life. And so let me just repeat them one more time. Believe the experts. Pay the experts. Be grateful for the critics. Simple and sustainable is better than ambitious and unsustainable. Batch your work. Consistency is key. Produce meaningful work. Stand by my values. And the last one, I am better after a good night's sleep. Friends, I am grateful to each and every one of you for your support, for your feedback, and for your loyalty through the years. Your commitment to the podcast has inspired me to grow as a host, as a professional, and frankly, as a human being. And your support, feedback, and enthusiasm have made it all worthwhile. As I continue on this podcasting journey, I promise to keep delivering insightful, engaging, and meaningful content that aligns with our shared values. So friends, here is to the next 300 episodes and beyond. Thank you for being a part of this incredible adventure with me. And now I have a very special ask for you. Do you have a favorite episode? If so, I would love for you to reach out to me. I'm easy to get a hold of, Dolph at SuccessfulNonprofits.com, and let me know what your favorite episode of the Successful Nonprofits has been. I would also be immensely grateful if you would share that episode on the social media of choice for you. That, friends, is our episode for the week. I hope that this podcast brings you insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. All right. You know, I always have to give you the disclaimer. I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the consulting practice provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. If that is what you need, please find a licensed, qualified professional in your area.